0: Welcome to Center Church, Dubai. We are a church built and centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ours is the story of a faithful God who saved imperfect people by His grace, united them by the love of Christ, and sent them out to bring many more to Him. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Let us pray. Father, we come before your throne this morning asking that you teach us will you preach to our hearts that we may obey will you preach to our minds that we may understand your truth and in all this be glorified we bless your name we ask this in Jesus name Amen Amen. just taking a quick uh, survey to understand which generation we come from Anybody here heard of Casper, the friendly ghost? Any hands? There are some hands. We know which generation we come from. Hmm? The cute ghost child with a New York accent, who wants to make friends with people, when all the grown-up ghosts, all they want to do is scare the people who are living around them. So let me ask another survey question, quick one. How many heard of a boy Who, at the age of 11 suddenly realized he's a wizard a boy called Harry Potter how many have heard oh I thought there would be more hands for Harry Potter this morning Hmm? this boy who realized that uh, he was a wizard and then there follows a series of spells and adventures and misadventures in fact grown-ups and children have all been fascinated by Harry Potter I don't know whether when you grew up as kids you heard any horror stories or ghost stories we had a rumored haunted tree behind the apartment building where we were staying so sometimes when the wind blew and the branches would you know sway a bit uh, you would just think a little fearfully whether somebody's dancing up and down that tree whom you can't see. You know, we've all in our kind of cultures recognized that there is more than what the physical eye can see. And we've always somehow associated even in our stories with ghosts and spirits, uh, whatever else we've read, we've associated them with having a domain of their own and then they respond in a bad way when their place of domain is disturbed. And while we may get fearful about these kind of stories, or some of us may even get our kicks from these horror stories, nothing can prepare us for the kingdoms which are neither philosophical nor imaginary. There are two kingdoms that exist today, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. And as we journey in today's passage, we will see how these kingdoms operate. These kingdoms are real, and every person in this world belongs to one of these kingdoms. These kingdoms are continually at war, and hence the sermon title, The Battle of the Kingdoms. If you're taking notes, I have three points for today's sermon. Kingdom realities, kingdom purposes and kingdom responses. Kingdom realities, I don't know how exposed you have been to this type of occurrences such as a mute man bound by a demon. But this is just one visible evidence of demon possession. And the Bible teaches the existence of a kingdom reality, which is unseen by human eyes. There is a spiritual realm of God and Satan, angels and demons. Demons being the disobedient angels who rebelled against God and got thrown out from his presence and who continue to try to resist God's kingdom purposes. We don't know how the mute man in today's passage became demon-possessed. But right at the outset, we are shown a kingdom reality. Jesus casting out the demon from, from this man. Now casting out means to drive out or expel or to banish from the presence. This is the kind of language that is used when one kingdom gets taken over by another. As for the terms of the battle, the victorious king has the right to dictate terms to the fallen king. And Jesus, by initiating the Father's kingdom on earth, is dictating the terms of victory to Satan and the angels. If you read this passage closely, you will recognize that those who witnessed this Casting out and attributed the deliverance of the mute man to Beelzebub, the king, the prince of demons, acknowledged that there has been a power at work in this deliverance. They are just unwilling to ascribe the deliverance of this man to Jesus. And because of their bias against Jesus, they attribute the deliverance to Beelzebub. Yet, when Jesus responds to this allegation, we know that there is more to this deliverance. We are now given a glimpse of two kingdoms. Where do these kingdoms exist? They exist in our physical, material world. They also exist in our physical, material world by obtaining influence and dominion over people like you and me who experienced the battle of the kingdoms in our life experiences. In the context of today's passage, the mute man was ruled over by the evil one. He was under Satan's domain. He was Satan's possession. And what Jesus did by casting out the demon was to grant this man the opportunity to be set free to enter the kingdom of God. Satan's kingdom, my friends, is extended over the life of every person who is physically born. Because every person who is physically born is born in sin. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All of an unbeliever's powers and fac- faculties are at Satan's disposal and, and he, is, he or she is Satan's possession. Now Jesus counters this allegation of those who have witnessed this miracle and crediting, credited it to Beelzebub, the prince of demons. He shows us a kingdom reality in verse 17. Every kingdom... Divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. Jesus, while responding to the allegation that he has cast out the demon by Beelzebul, is stating that it is illogical that Satan would cast himself out because Satan's kingdom cannot stand if Satan is divided against himself. And then we are pointed to another kingdom reality. If you want... You could call it the reality of the greater kingdom in verse 20. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. We read about the kingdom, uh, the f- finger of God in Exodus 8 verse 19 when the Egyptian magicians recognize God's power through Moses during the third plague because they tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So, Jesus is not just stopping at saying that Satan's kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, but he is pushing the envelope. He is saying that if Satan is not behind the casting out of the demon, as you are suggesting, then clearly God is. The reality of the kingdom of God is that it takes over the domain of the kingdom of the evil one, one soul at a time. Church, the battle of the kingdoms is the battle for every soul, for every person created in the image of God. God's mission and spiritual warfare go together. Satan battles us because we are God's witnesses to the world. It is not always easy to identify who is a member of which kingdom. We look at people and we make our assumptions. And while we must be in the business of bringing people in from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, we must also remember and remind the ones to whom we are ministering That there is no neutral zone between God's kingdom and the kingdom of Satan. This means that every time we proclaim the gospel to a lost soul, a spiritual battle is raging. There are two and only two sides. Either the person ignores or rejects the gospel and remains in Satan's domain Or when he or she responds in obedience to the call of God, Jesus Christ saves him. Colossians 1 verse 13 reminds us that such a person is transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved son. The Bible reminds us that we are engaged in a combat with an unseen enemy that is intent on destroying the human race. Ephesians 6 verse 12 teaches us for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. These are kingdom realities that cannot be ignored. The second point I want to bring before you this morning is about kingdom purposes. Both kingdoms, the kingdom of the evil one and God's kingdom have their purposes. In today's passage, when we read from verse 24 to 26, we read about how this unclean spirit who is looking for a place to rest wanders through places which from a human perspective is hostile To life without water without blessings of any kind not finding a place to rest it goes back to the person whom it came out of and finds the person ready and waiting the evil spirit then re-enters this person re-inhabits this person and brings seven other spirits more evil and unclean than itself thus making the state of the person worse than before The point of this narrative is that driving out of an evil spirit is incomplete if God does not dwell in the person who has been delivered. A person can't just be left empty. A stronger spirit must be invited to keep the evil spirits out and from bringing his friends along. When we read references in the New Testament about unclean spirits, We know that these unclean spirits can possess people and cause them sickness and harm. We know that they are searching for someone to possess if they are not currently possessing someone. And that some spirits are more unclean and evil than others. But we have the assurance of God's word that unclean spirits are under God's authority and must submit to him. That's the assurance we have as Christians. What what do we understand by an unclean spirit? When we use the term unclean spirit, we use it in the term that it is wicked. Unclean spirits are not only wicked in themselves, but they promote and delight in wickedness among humans. They are spiritually polluted and impure. And they seek to contaminate all of God's creation with their filth. When a person is defiled by an unclean spirit, he takes pleasure in corrupt thoughts and actions. The chief purpose of the kingdom of the evil one is to try to destroy the one created in God's own image. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse eight 8 and 9 gives us a picture of a frontal brutal attack on us Christians be sober minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. resist him firm in the faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by a brotherhood throughout the world at other times The style may be different, but the substance may be the same when the evil one tries to attempt to derail God's kingdom progress with well-meaning ideas. In Matthew 16, 23, Jesus speaks to Peter, but he addresses Satan. Get behind me, Satan, he says. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Satan not only influences the affairs of this world, he also influences the affairs of churches. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. His followers are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Now while Satan has a purpose... For his kingdom, we know when we read scripture and we know as we are exposed to what God has been doing in our life that God's purpose for his kingdom and for you and me and members as members of his kingdom is much higher and greater. So when we read in verse 21 Satan being described as a strong man, we also read that Jesus is the one who was and is stronger than the strong man he is the only one who can bind the strong man and rescue people from the clutches of the evil one in fact Jesus refers to himself as the one who enters Satan's house and plunders the place of course before Satan can be plundered and his domain can be plundered he has to first be incapacitated or disarmed and that is what Jesus has done because he has come to earth to what is essentially Satan's house in order to bind Satan and plunder his goods friends remember this Jesus did not just come for this mute man he came for every man and woman created in the image of God that they may be set free from the clutches of the evil one 1 John chapter 3 verse 8 affirms to us that the Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now how was this purpose of destroying the works of the devil being fulfilled? At the cross, Satan has been plundered. Because when Jesus cried out, it is finished, he opened the way for all who believed in his finished work, To exit the kingdom of God, uh, the evil one, and to enter the kingdom of God. Not just that, Colossians 2 verse 15 reminds us that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. God took what looked like Satan's greatest moment of triumph, the death of the sinless Lord of Glory, and turned it into Satan's greatest defeat. The purpose of God's kingdom rule is to redeem all those who've been enslaved by the evil one and to restore them back to God himself. And because Jesus has fulfilled the Father's purpose and triumphed over the evil one, we as Christians who bear the name of Christ, we who belong to God's kingdom, Can live daily in the light of this victory. The battle of the kingdoms is a battle of purposes between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. The third point I want to bring before you this morning is about kingdom purposes. In verse 23 Jesus gives us an ultimatum. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus is not giving us any room for diplomacy or neutral standing. You are either a citizen of the kingdom of God or you are a slave in the kingdom of the evil one. Both kingdoms require a response. And you've got to choose your king. Once you've chosen your king you have decided which side of the battle you are on. Every king requires allegiance from his subjects. So be careful whom you choose as king over you because every response has its consequences. I would like to share with you this morning three types of responses. The first response is a blasphemous response. When we, read, uh, when we read verse 15, the casting out of the demon from the mute man was ridiculed as a work of Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Jesus counters this type of allegation by pointing to Jewish exorcists who were also casting out demons. In verse 19, Jesus says, that the Jews who were crediting the deliverance of the mute man to Beelzebul were by extension also stating that their fellow Jews who also freed people from demon possession did so through Beelzebul. So they will be judged by their fellow countrymen. In verse 16 there were also those who continued to test him seeking signs from heaven. These are the ones who have chosen not to believe. They may decide to believe when everyone agrees together that they will believe in Jesus. But not now. As of now, Jesus has not been accredited by the Jewish leaders. So believing in Jesus will have consequences for them. So they keep giving Jesus more tests to prove himself because that is what their leaders are doing as well. This is their self-justification. For why they have decided not to believe. To keep to the context, the Jews were the church of Jesus' day who were the ones resisting God's kingdom progress. In Matthew 12 and in Mark 3, which are the, where we find the parallel passages to today's passage in Luke 11, we find Jesus additionally saying, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, And whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. Never has forgiveness. But is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying. He has an unclean spirit. What is blasphemy? Blasphemy is defiant irreverence. That attributes some evil to God. Or denies in him some good. That must be attributed to him. To point out what God is doing and to attribute the work of God to the evil one is a very normal and natural demonic, blasphemous response. The Pharisees, having witnessed irrefutable proof that Jesus was working miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit, claimed instead that the Lord was possessed by a demon. Friends, Jesus is who he claims himself to be. He doesn't need to do any more miracles to prove himself. Are you looking at your life circumstances and willing to trust Jesus as king over your life only if he has proved himself through the tests that you have set for him? Remember the consequences of following the wrong king. It's called rebellion. The second type of response I want us to look at is the barren response. In verse 27, the woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Yes, Mary was blessed by God to be the mother of Jesus. So what the woman was saying was true and yet So incomplete. When you see a mute man before you delivered from demon possession. And when you hear Jesus's words of solemn warning. Of what happens to a person who is possessed by unclean spirit. And if all you can do in a response is to point to family legacy or reputation. Then you have missed. The purpose of God's revelation in your life. A barren response is a shallow and insufficient response. That seems to respond uh, correctly. But is miles away from the response that God approves. It is a response that comes from a heart that does not know who Jesus is. And what he is doing. Such a person perceives only that which is physically seen and heard. They do not have sufficient spiritual insight. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me, was God's continual response about his people who repeatedly heard the word of God, but did not take it to heart. The problem of the heart is that it is deceitful. And wants its responses to be considered as good responses. But let's remember that nothing good grows in a barren heart. And out of the fullness of a barren heart, there comes a barren response. Now while this woman's response may be considered good and culturally right, Jesus points her to respond at a higher level of blessedness. So I want to ask you this question. How do you respond when you see the kingdom of God progressing by redeeming one soul at a time? If you have given barren responses to God in your life, in spite of the revelation received by you, whether as a Christian or even as one who is seeking Christ, can we remind ourselves to take a moment to confess and repent of the sin especially for us Christian who have grieved the Holy Spirit if we've given a barren response then what God is expecting is a completely different response. We can speak nice Christian words which take away the meaning of what God has revealed to us so we must be quick to identify when our heart wants to belong to another person or another thing apart from Christ and trying to find acceptability there. So let us endeavor to respond in a way that is acceptable and approved by God by giving him glory for the revelation bestowed on us. The third type of response which I want to bring before you is blessed response we began the passage today in verse 14 with a response now he was casting out a demon that was mute when the demon had gone out the mute man spoke and the people marvelled there was a response of marvelling by the people we close today's passage in verse 28 with Jesus pointing us to the right response to be given in verse 28 it is written but he said Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. God's work was demonstrated in Jesus casting out the demon from the mute man. Jesus is now looking for the blessed response which goes beyond family relationships and glorifies God for what he has done in redeeming those held captive by the evil one. Those who have put their trust in him Are now members of God's kingdom. Blessed response is evidenced in how we live as members of God's kingdom, not just in lip service to God. We must choose to live under the kingship of Jesus Christ. This means we are willing to be the king's subjects and live our life by his commands, seeking his ambitions and his purposes. God's word reminds us to seek only his kingdom and his righteousness. As kingdom citizens, we align our life with what God has said in his word. When we choose to make Jesus king over our lives, we give him the right to have the final authority over every decision and choice we make. If we don't live in this fashion, then we are not truly living under his kingdom authority. It is when we apply the words of our king to our life that we are blessed. And it is when we obey Jesus' words in our life that the work of transformation takes place and God calls us blessed. At the cross, Jesus paid the penalty of sin to God thereby setting us free from the debt of sin we could never pay now Jesus enables us to give a blessed response to what he has done a blessed response to his achieved finished work he came to set free all who are held captive by the evil one if you have heard God's word of redemption will you today say yes to Jesus. There is an open invitation for you this morning to enter God's kingdom. All your problems may not go away and all your questions may not be answered. But true blessed response requires us not just to hear the word of God, but to respond to it, thereby keeping His word. Will you today respond in obedience to the word of the king. If you would like to know more about what it means to enter the kingdom of God, please reach out to one of us so that we may gladly serve you. Those of us who have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and have been transferred to the kingdom of Jesus, do we hear the word of God today and keep it? Keeping the word of God means to treasure. And safeguard the word of God that we have heard and to obey it. This is the only way that we can show our kingdom allegiance to our king. And in this context, we want to remind each other again about how important it is to be living together as a community. Where we spur each other to live under God's kingdom rules with God's kingdom values. May I request each of us here to consider involving in any of the community groups that meet during the week? The battle of the kingdoms requires a response from us. Whose side are you on? Luke prompts us to review our response to Jesus. Is Jesus who he claimed to be or not? Is Jesus' authority as Messiah sent from God attested and established by the miracles he performed? Is Jesus the Son of God in human flesh? If so, we must give his word the blessed response of hearing and keeping it irrespective of the consequences or results. Jesus' clear authority over demonic forces shows that he is both Savior and Lord. Therefore, each person is forced to choose sides in the battle of the kingdoms. Having heard the word of God, we must now act in obedience to Jesus or else we are opposed to him and in league with Satan. We hope you were encouraged by today's sermon. Please visit our website, cc-dubai.com, for more information on Center Church Dubai. If you know someone who will be blessed by this sermon, please share this podcast link so they can stay updated.